James chapter 3. I'm going to start reading in verse 2. The Word of God says, none of us is perfect. Amen? We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of life. A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it, it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world. We can turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation. We can send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. This is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. With our tongue, we bless God, our Father, and with the same tongues, we curse the very men and women who are made in his image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. My friends, this can't go on. Say it with me. This can't go on. A spring doesn't gush fresh water one day and brackish the next. Apple trees don't bear strawberries, do they? Raspberry bushes don't bear apples, do they? You're not going to dip into a polluted mud hole and get out of it a cold, clear cup of water. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. You may be seated. Lord, would you just help me to preach to whatever issues we may be facing, Lord, but not from my own opinion, but from your word. Lord, would you allow your word to bring transformation to our lives? And Holy Spirit, would you empower us to do the impossible, to tame our tongue and get control of our words? In Jesus' name, amen. Today we're wrapping up our issue series this week, and we're talking about an issue that probably, likely all of us, starting with me, could stand to improve upon. Controlling our, was that because it was me? Oh, okay. Controlling our tongues and watching our mouths is an issue that all of us could probably improve. See, the Bible takes words seriously. The Bible says that words matter. The Bible says that words are powerful, incredibly powerful. When God decided to create the universe, how did he do it? With Words. He spoke words and he created. As human beings, words are what set us apart from the rest of the God's creation. Our ability to use language, to write, to speak, to, to create sentences and, and, and develop paragraphs and thoughts and ideas. It is all based on our ability to use words. And you could say that the thing that makes us human is our ability to use words. And every significant advancement in human history has involved words. 
Originally, words were just spoken. It was a spoken language that people created in order to communicate with one another. But sometime thousands of years ago, our ancestors developed a way to not just speak that language, but to write those words down so that they could be passed down to generations after us and they could be communicated across vast expanses of territory. But then after the written language was developed for thousands of years, only the wealthiest and richest of the world would ever learn how to write, much less read, or ever own a book. But then in the 1430s, a man named Johann Gutenberg developed the printing press. And this one invention that enabled everyday people to finally get their hands on words, to be able to get words into their homes and into their minds, this invention launched humanity into the era we call the modern era. And then several hundred years later in 1775, right at the outbreak of the American Revolution, Benjamin Franklin established the U.S. Postal Service, which created a network across the country at the time that allowed words to be transported across the new nation at, at, at an economic cost, something that was, that was economically viable, and by those standards was actually pretty quick. A hundred years after Franklin, the Pony Express was developed, and suddenly, words were able to travel from New York City to San Francisco at the lightning-fast speed of 10 days. Then in 1876, Alexander Graham Bell patented his telephone, which first allowed words to travel instantaneously in real time, hundreds, even thousands of miles. In 1899, the first wireless radio signal was sent across the English Channel, and suddenly words could be broadcast by radio to millions of people at one time, regardless of whether they had a postage stamp or regardless of whether wires had been, had been uh, uh, hung or whether there was any wait time. Uh, suddenly, words were able to be broadcast. In 1973, the first cell phone was made. I kind of regret that one. 1983, the network that we now call the Internet was first developed, linking computers across the globe in a vast web of networks connecting words and information from every country and every continent available at your fingertips. In 1992, the first text message was sent. In 1997, Wi-Fi was invented. In 2004, Facebook was invented. I really regret that one. All of these inventions and these developments across human history are just new, more advanced ways, more convenient ways for humans to communicate using our words. But there's an underside to all of this. While communication is great and while the ability to have the written word and to get information is wonderful, there's an underside because words are not always helpful. The same printing press that developed in the 1400s and, and, and launched humanity into the modern era, now publishers use that printing press to use and print and sell trashy tabloid gossip magazines. Words are used every day on social media in a way that we now call cyberbullying, with 60% of U.S. students saying they have been victims of online harassment and cyberbullying, and 78% of teen suicides in the U.S., uh, victims of suicide in the U.S., have been victims of cyberbullying, 78%. Words sent to them in messages and Facebook posts and Snapchat stories and TikTok videos. They hurt and they wound deeply and they crushed their spirits so devastatingly that they made a permanent choice 
to end their lives. The Bible takes our words seriously because the Bible understands how important words are. He knows that words can help or harm, they can heal or they can hurt, they can bless or they can curse. And the text we just read in James chapter 3 illustrates for us just how important words are and just how difficult it is to get control of our words. See, because getting control of your words and the words that you speak is probably one of the most important things you will ever accomplish as a Christian. Learning how to control your words and control your mouth is probably one of the most important things you will ever accomplish as a Christian. And it's also one of the most difficult things you will ever accomplish as a Christian. The biblical author James here, he uses a few word pictures for us to describe how important our words are. He notes that the words that flow out of our mouths are formed by our tongues. And while the tongue is just a small part of our body, comparatively speaking, it has the ability to completely control our lives. James says that it is impossible to control your own tongue. It's impossible as fallen, sinful human beings to ever really get control of what we say, to get control of our mouths to correct our negative sinful talk. And it's easier, he says, to tame a wild animal than it is to tame your own tongue. But it's vital, he says, to find some way to tame the tongue because he understands that your words can change your life. Your words can change your life. What you say with your mouth can change the course, can change the direction, can change the trajectory of your life's story. James uses two analogies in the scripture when he's talking about understanding how words work. He says, your tongue is like a horse, or your life is like a horse. And he says, taming the tongue is like bridling a horse. I got Jeff to bring me a bridle this morning to just give you a visual understanding. An average size of a horse is about 1,000 pounds, average. You know, there's some that are much bigger and some that are much smaller. But average, you could say about 1,000 pounds. And this one little piece of metal right here can completely control where that horse goes, can completely control all four of those horses' feet can completely control the direction you want to go. And James says it's just like that with your life. He says if you can learn how to bridle your tongue, if you can learn how to, how to put that bit in your mouth and control your tongue, you can change the direction of your life. If you're riding a horse, I'm a very amateur horseman, all right? I love horses, but I don't know anything about them, all right? I'm not trying to act like I know I'm a wannabe <laughs> in, in every aspect of the word. But I know that a bit is very important important if you're trying to ride a horse. And I know that if you're training a horse, one of the most difficult things can be to get that horse to learn to take that bit and obey that bit and put that bit in his mouth because it doesn't like it at first. Doesn't like having something controlling its mouth at first. Come on. Some of y'all are horses in here, all right? But if you ever get that horse to take that bit, accept it, to surrender to that bit, you can get that horse to do anything you want it to do. Get it to go anywhere you want it to go. This one little piece of metal can completely uh, control and direct a 1,000-pound animal. And James is saying, it's like that with your mouth. It's like that with your tongue. The tongue's just a little piece of your body. It's just a little part. But if you can ever get your tongue under control, 
If you can ever get your words that you're speaking under control, you can change the direction of your life. You can change the the trajectory of, of where your life is going, the destiny that's before you, the future that you have in front of you. And if you can't get control of your mouth, you will never have control of the rest of your life. He says another example. He says it's the... Um, the tongue is like a rudder of a ship, this big, massive ship, an ocean liner. The rudder of that ship is only a small part of this entire massive. They're, they have ocean liners these days that are as big as cities, that are, that are huge. They're, they're more, they could fit all of Yale County in one ship. It's that, it's that huge, but just a small piece of metal completely, completely determines the direction that ship will go, completely determines where those people will end up. And if you don't have control of the rudder, if there's not a skillful captain at the helm, he says, you'll wash up on the rocks. You'll crash. You'll capsize. You'll end up in a storm you shouldn't have been in. You'll end up in a place you shouldn't have been. You'll end up lost at sea. You'll end up shipwrecked. You have the ability to determine where your life will go if you can ever find a way to get your tongue, your mouth under control. Your words Our words control the direction of our lives. Our words create our future. The things we say set the course that determines where we will be tomorrow, next month, next year. So James says in verses 12, if you don't get a handle on the words that you're speaking, if you don't learn how to bridle your tongue, if you don't learn how to steer the boat, you will end up in a place you don't want to be. So he says, all of this negative, sinful talk, all of this stuff that doesn't glorify God that's coming out of your mouth, all of this, it has to stop. Something must be done. In other words, hello, you've got an issue. And before you go any further in life, you need to deal with this issue of how you speak. Because if you don't, your life is going to end up going in the wrong direction. The words you say will determine whether you have a long, happy marriage or whether you end up in divorce court. The words you say will determine whether you get a promotion or you end up in the unemployment line. The words you say will determine whether you get an A in the class or you end up in the principal's office. The words you say will determine whether the church will be full at your funeral or if you've got to pay the preacher to lie about you. The words you say matter. Listen, the words you say will determine whether you have a good relationship with your children and grandchildren in the future or whether you find yourself alone at the end of your life. I want you to hear this. God doesn't care about you taming your tongue just because he's a stick in the mud and he just gets offended and sent into a tizzy every time you use a four-letter word. That's not really the big picture of what's happening here. He cares about what you say because he cares about your life and your future. He cares about your marriage and your children. He cares about your job. He cares about your friendships. He cares about your relationships. So he says, hey, if you want those things to be healthy, you've got to learn how to control your mouth. God knows that your tongue, it's like a small spark that can start a forest fire. And if you don't get control of that little spark early on in your life, or if you don't get control of that little spark before you burn your whole life down, you will end up in a place where you just don't have anything that God wanted for you to have. Just a couple more observations. Your words can curse or they can bless. Your words can curse or they can bless. Look at these two scriptures. First one is we already read James 3.10. He says, with our tongues we bless God our Father, and with the same tongues we curse the very men and women made in his image. Curses and blessings coming out of the same mouth. 
Look at Ephesians 4.29. He says, don't use foul or abusive language. Some translations say don't use perverse language. Watch what you joke about. Watch what you talk about. Watch how you talk to other people and the names you call other people and the words you use toward other people. He says, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Go back to that first one, James 3. He says, blessings and curses come out of the same mouth. The word bless means to give benefit. So your words can benefit someone else, but the word curse means to bring harm or misfortune. So your words can either benefit someone or they can bring harm or misfortune on someone. And a lot of times the someone is you. Your words can either bless you or they can curse you. Your words can either benefit you or they can harm you. But not only you, the people closest to you, the people that you direct your words to, you can either bless them or you can curse them. You can either help them or you can cause misfortune in your life. What you speak is what you will get in life. If you speak blessings, you'll see blessings. If you speak curses, you'll see curses. How you talk to people in your lives will either will either bless that relationship or they will create curses in that relationship. Let me give you an example. If you constantly talk about how lazy your husband is, how he never helps out around the house, how what a deadbeat he is, how he's no help, he's no good, he's no use. Even if all of that is true, guess what? As long as those are the words you're speaking over your husband and over your marriage and over your household, that'll be con- what you continue to get in your household and in your marriage. Nothing will change because I'm going to let you in on a little secret. People naturally have a way of living up to the words you say about them. And your husband, even if he isn't aware of it, he wants to live up to the words that you speak and that you say about him. Wherever your words set the bar, that's where he'll land. That's where he'll be. So if you're constantly speaking curses over your husband and your marriage, your husband's going to live up to the words that you spoke. But if you start speaking blessings over your husband, words of encouragement over your husband, words of respect about your husband, little things like, thank you, I appreciate you, you're so helpful when you do that for me. Guess what? Your husband wants to live up to the things that you say to him and about him. Now, men, works the same way in reverse. If all you have to say about your wife is negative, she can't cook, she's nagging all the time, no amens. She spends too much money, she cares about the kids more than me, she's never satisfied, guess what? Your wife will live up to the words that you speak about her. But if you start bragging on her and you start complimenting her and you start thanking her and appreciating her and telling other people how wonderful your wife is and how how wonderful she is to your family and what a blessing she is, she will begin to live up to the things that you say about her because your words will either bless or they will curse your marriage. Your words will either create a positive atmosphere in your home or they will create a negative atmosphere in your home. Your words will either make your marriage heaven on earth or hell on wheels and it's your choice. And that's true in every relationship in life. That means that the things you say about your job matter. The things that you say about your boss matter. The things that you say about your, your community matter. The things you say about uh, the, the, your neighbors matter. Believers, listen. 
We got to start speaking in faith over our community and over our neighbors, speaking blessings over our community and our neighbors. My community's blessed and prosperous. It's a wonderful place to raise a child. It's a wonderful place to have a family. Our public schools are the best around. I love the teachers and educators that invest in our children every day because my words will determine and, and put an atmosphere of blessing or curses in my community. This means watching how you talk about your church. See, I know that for every person in here, there's probably at least one thing you don't like about what we do here, how we do things. And what you say about that matters. Let me prove it to you. Today, when you leave here, you'll get in the car. You'll be with your husband or your wife or whoever you rode with, and you'll talk about the service this morning. And you'll, you'll either say, wow, the spirit was moving, and that music was great, and the preacher was handsome. Or you'll get in the car and you'll say, I didn't like that second song they sang. I, it's too cold in there. It's too hot in there. There's always both. The volume was too loud. My seat was uncomfortable. I didn't like the toilet paper they had in the bathroom. And you'll be talking about it. And little ears will be in the back seat listening. And they're learning with every word that you speak. And their minds are being formed and their opinions and thoughts about church, about Christ, about Christianity are being developed by your words, even when you aren't speaking to them. And how you talk about your church will have an ex an ef direct effect on their salvation and their eternity. Because your words matter. Your words are important. And your words can bless or they can curse. Your words can wound or they can heal. Look at these two scriptures. Proverbs 15, 4. Kind words heal and help, but cutting words wound and maim. Proverbs 12, 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Listen, your parents and my parents, they all told us the biggest lie you've ever heard in your life. Sticks and stones break my bones but words can never hurt me. There's nothing more false. Your body can heal faster than your heart can heal. Here's how I know. I've sat and counseled with people, and even in their senior years, who have told me about a mother or father who spoke a certain word over them, something hurtful to them when they were a small child, and they were words that were spoken 40, 50 years ago, and they're in their senior years of their adult life, and they're still carrying a broken heart from that memory of words that were spoken over them. Words can hurt. Words can cause relational wounds, emotional wounds that can last a lifetime. Again, parents, be careful, very careful of the words that you speak to your children. Every word you speak over them is developing their identity, their self-worth, and their self-esteem. And every time you speak to your child, you are either building them up or you are cutting them down. And all of us adults in the room can think back to a defining moment in our childhood where an adult either said something hurtful or encouraging to us, and we still remember it. What about arguments to the married folks in the room? Back to you. You know that one word can either diffuse the situation or can throw gasoline on the fire, and you know which words they are. And you know you've been in those situations where you already knew you were wrong. 
you already knew you had lost the argument, and you just don't want to admit it, so you know the one word you can say, the one thing you can do. You can either choose to say one word and heal the situation, or you can choose to say that one thing, that one thing. You can shout that out to them. You can say that one thing that'll make them walk out, that'll make them shut up, that'll make them go away. You can do that one thing all because you didn't want to admit you were wrong. You'd rather win than heal. Come on. And that one word just created a bigger divide in their relationship when different words could have brought healing, brought you back to reconnection. Because words matter, and they can heal or they can wound. Your words matter. Your words can kill or they can give life. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You have the ability to create death or create life in every relationship, in every interaction you have. And every, every child that you raise and every person you, you meet and every, every student in your classroom, every person you meet at work, you can either give life-giving words or you can give words that will destroy and cut down. Words matter. Words are important. Words create things in your life. Words control where you'll end up tomorrow, next week, next year. Words control whether... You're paying for your second honeymoon or you're paying for a divorce lawyer. Words can determine whether you're buying Christmas gifts for your children or you're posting bail for your children. Words matter. They can kill or they can heal. They can bless or they can curse. Your mouth has the ability to completely change your life. One particular way Paul talks about in Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. He says this, he says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Your words can decide your eternity. Your words can decide where you spend eternity after this life. If you've never confessed him as Lord, if you've never used your words to call Jesus Lord of your life, the most important words you'll ever speak in this lifetime. Doesn't require a big, fancy, eloquent prayer. Really, all it requires is for conviction in your heart and for you to say it and mean it when you call him Lord of your life. And it'll completely determine your eternity. It'll completely determine the legacy of your life because words can either kill or they can resurrect. They can determine heaven or hell for you and for me. How do you tame your tongue. James said it was impossible. Said no man's ever done it before. So how to tame your tongue? Number one, you can't. You on your own cannot tame your tongue. Cannot only speak words of healing and helping and blessing and life. 
But B, how to tame your tongue, God can. Jesus said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Three steps to taming your tongue. Number one, you have to be safe. Because you can't do it on your own. You have to have Jesus as Lord of your life to even begin the process of getting control of the words that you say. You have to be safe. How do you do that? We just talked about it. You say, Jesus, I'm making you Lord of my life. I'm confessing. When you say when that word confess, if you go to, into a courtroom and you confess to something, that means you're saying it's true. I did that thing, right? So when you say confess Jesus as Lord, it means I'm saying it is true of my life that Jesus is the Lord and master of my life. He is the final authority in my life. He's the one that calls the shots. I don't make decisions without him. I don't move forward without him. I don't do anything without him directing and leading me. That's how you become a Christian. You submit to him being master of your life, and you say that out loud. You speak it. You say that that's true about who you are. That's how you become a Christian. If you're not a Christian this morning, if you've never made that confession before you leave, you need to make that confession confession. Whether you're ready to or not, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed what's going to happen the next day. You need to confess Jesus as Lord. It will completely change your life. Step two, get filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. It is intentional that God chose the evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit to be your ability to speak in an unknown language, for you to surrender your tongue to the lordship of Jesus and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. That is how you tame your tongue. You say, Lord, I'm going to use my tongue for whatever you have to say and not what I have to say. It's intentional that the Holy Spirit, when he fills you, the first thing that happens is you begin to speak a language you've never learned before. You speak it. It's intentional because no man can tame the tongue, but the Holy Spirit can. He can determine what you say. And listen, just because you speak in tongues doesn't automatically make you sweet. That make you nice. And if you can't, if you still haven't gotten your tongue bridled, even after you've been filled with the Holy Spirit and you speak in tongues, you're not speaking in tongues enough. You're not praying in the Spirit enough. You're not learning to yield to the Spirit enough. Because the more you yield to the Spirit in your prayer time and your prayer language, the more the Spirit is built up in you, the more your spirit man is encouraged, the more the Holy Spirit gets control of your life. And that's how you begin to tame your tongue. And then after that, step three is pray, 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 pray. Pray some more. Pray a little bit more. Every time you say something you shouldn't say, that just means go back to your prayer closet. There's something else you need to give to the Lord. There's another area of your life that you need the Holy Spirit to move in. There's another place in your life that you need to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. You cannot do it on your own, but in your prayer life where you are formed, where you are, you are molded into the image of Christ, and you are molded into the likeness of Christ, and you are molded to have the mind of Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in, and He begins to to teach you, hey, don't say that. Hey, be careful how you talk to your daughter. Be careful how you correct him. Be careful what your mouth says when they bring that report card home. Be careful what you say when your wife gets home from work. Be careful. The Holy Spirit begins to, the more you're yielded to him, the more you make it a, make yourself a person of prayer and, and fasting and, and, and a person of the Spirit, a person filled with the Holy Spirit, a person yielded to the Holy Spirit, the easier and easier and easier it becomes to control your mouth, to control your tongue.